All right, coming to the stage. Give it up for Johnny Erez. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Johnny Erez, and we are back with another edition of the Views from the John podcast, this time for Wednesday December 11th, 2019. How are you? Did you miss me? Well, I missed you. Yes, that is true. If you've been paying attention, and chances are you probably have not, the Johnny has not been around to entertain you the past few weeks. And uh, I don't know, maybe you're wondering why, where I've been, what I've been doing. And uh, all right, I'm going to fill you in. Um, it's been a tough couple weeks for your boy. Uh, a couple of days ago, I had to say goodbye and bury um, my mother. And uh, I was extremely close with her. Um, and she was my best friend, and I thought throughout the course of my life, some of the things I've had to deal with, um, have been pretty ill, and I thought that I was semi-prepared to deal with losing a best friend and a parent, and as it turns out, I was completely wrong, um... I have lived and experienced some pretty awful shit in my life. And I can tell you, nothing can hold a candle to saying goodbye to a parent that you're close with. Nothing. Um, the emotions that I've been going through with my family the past couple weeks and literally uh, the past nine months um, since she was diagnosed terminal um, with cancer... Um, my life has been flipped upside down. And when you're trying to establish yourself as a new comic, and at the same time you're dealing with somebody extremely close to you who is slowly uh, dying, um, it makes it very, very difficult to constantly come up with new material, be funny, write jokes. So that's what I've literally been dealing with since I started this podcast. I've never told anybody on the air, so to speak, exactly who uh, and what I was dealing with. I just kept telling you guys that I was dealing with something ill, and that's what I was dealing with. So this entire summer, or the, the whole spring, summer, fall, and now into the winter, uh, that's what I had been dealing with. And the reason there's been no podcast the last couple of weeks is because I've been mourning my best friend. And I can tell you with um, absolute certainty that this has been the biggest trial in the hardest days of my entire existence. Like I said, I've been through some ill shit in my life, but when you have to say goodbye to a best friend and a parent um, and a woman that was extremely well-loved um, and liked across this entire community, um, never seen the church so full in my life, um, it's difficult. It's beyond difficult. It's so difficult that I literally cannot put it into words how difficult it's been. 
like I said, nothing could possibly prepare me for how difficult this would be uh, in the range of emotions and how heavy those emotions are, where you literally will be kind of hanging on for a second, and then a second later, you're just an absolute shambles and tears on the floor. Uh, with your heart literally feeling like it's being snapped in half. Um, it's been fucking brutal. And I don't know if my heart will ever fully heal. After we had to say goodbye to not only my best friend, but my mother, but also one of the most inspirational and amazing human beings I've ever met. And um, as hard as it is, um, I'm back. Here we are with episode 14 or 15. Um, I have a couple sets lined up for tonight. That's right. Johnny Erez is going to be on stage tonight uh, in the city in which I currently live, in which you don't know because I don't want you to know because I you creep me out. But uh, yes, I will be on stage tonight. And I was on stage two weeks ago uh, tonight was the last time I went up and did a set. And uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about how my set went, uh, because there hasn't been a podcast since I've done that set, because of, uh, you know, what had happened. But uh, yeah, so that's where I've been. And let's see, I did a set two, two weeks ago today, I did a set. And the set was supposed to be about four or five minutes long. However, uh, as luck would have it, I ended up doing a 16-minute set until the light went on and I had to wrap it up. And uh, I felt it was a pretty good set. I did. Um, I was able to do, I think, seven out of the eight bits I wanted to test out on that night. Um, anybody who's a comedian or knows about open micers or how comedians work, um, we're taught from day one to record our sets. I record every one of my sets that I do for later playback. And uh, that's basically what open mics are. Open mics are a chance for you as a young comic like myself. Um, well, I'm not young in age, but I'm young in uh, experience doing stand-up. Uh, you got to record every set that you do. And then you take it home and you listen to it over and over and over and over again. It's practice. That's what open mics are. They're practice. It's it's still a set. You're still up on a stage. There's still a crowd there, whether it's a paying crowd or whether it's just a crowd of your fellow comedians, local comedians waiting to get up like it is some nights. Uh, regardless, it's it's practice. You test out your material. You get your pace right. Add some tags. There's a whole process to it. That's what the open mic is all about. And tonight, I got two of them. And uh, I'm kind of excited uh, because I have a couple new bits that I've never done. Um, I've been rehearsing them quite a bit. I think they're pretty funny. Um, and I'm really anxious to test them out tonight. I think they're going to be good. And I finally feel like um, I'm able to get up tonight um, and maybe be a little bit funny. But like I said, when you're dealing with what I've had to deal with the last couple weeks... It would have literally been impossible, I think, for any comic to get up. You know, I'm not sure what more of the uh, bigger established uh, comics do. 
uh, when they've lost somebody extremely close to them, whether they still do their podcast or still do their sets, I'm not sure. But I really don't see how even the most established, funniest working comedian could have possibly gotten up um, over the last two weeks uh, with what I was going through. Um, When you lose somebody that tragically and that close to you, it is just in fucking possible to be funny it's impossible to do your set it's impossible to think of new material and that was the other thing the last two weeks i've been so hyper focused on you know my family and my mother and uh just so distraught uh and so numb that i've been unable to be funny think of material write jokes write tags any of it so i've pieced together what i think is a decent set for tonight I'm anxious to try it out, looking forward to it. I'm going to tape it, and it's pretty much against the rules, if there are any rules, but, uh, you know, you won't see me release a lot of my stand-up stuff to the podcast or even to my YouTube channel, Uh, because the way I see it and other comics see it, if you want to see me do stand-up, you know my name now. It's Johnny Ares. J-O-N-N-Y. There's no H. J-O-N-N-Y. Johnny Ares. A-R-E-Z. I'm on social media. You can find me. And it probably wouldn't be too, too hard now that I've given you my name and you know my production company and you know the name of the podcast to figure out where in the country I'm operating out of. And you can probably then figure out where I'm going to be tonight. And you could come see me. So, yes, that's what I'm doing. Uh, So, anyways, I wanted to talk about uh, something that's kind of still on my mind about uh, my set two weeks ago. And uh, this is something that happens in the comedy game. It's something that happens behind the scenes that most people don't get to see. But, you know, I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek into it because that's what my career is now. That's what my life is now. So last week, there was a uh, another local comic to hear that uh, I use comic very loosely and in parentheses uh, that went up after me. And um, rather than her just going up after me and doing her set like she should have, she used this opportunity to start her set off directly after mine by talking shit, basically, um, in doing one of my jokes for practice, like an open mic is, I screwed up the definition of a word that was fairly new to me in this these new strange times that we live in with people finding it okay to... Um, you know, identify as a woman, even though you're a hundred percent man. You know, when these kind of new things come out that we're supposed to be tolerant of, you know, there's definitions to them, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I was telling this bit, okay, about how much more difficult it is to date online in 2019 than it was, let's say, in 2009, okay? Because you have people out there identifying as men who are 100% women and vice versa. And that's great. If that's what you want to do, I'm fine with it. But 
when you're a female and you want to identify as male, but you're kind of in that section of the grocery store, so to speak, like a dating site where you're in the, you know, women seeking men and you look like a woman, but you're telling me that you don't identify as one, that kind of raises a red flag for me, right? I got no problem with the LGBTQ community. I got no problem with a, a girl wanting to identify as a man or a man wanting to identify as a refrigerator. Whatever the fuck floats your boat, okay? But when you're putting yourself out on a dating site in your female or at least you look 100% female to me, but the first words that come out of your mouth is, I don't identify as a female. You know, you're kind, you, can you see what I'm saying here? You're adding another level of complexity to an already complex uh, function, which is dating now in 2019, right? I'm a man looking for a hetero... I'm a heterosexual man looking for a heterosexual woman. And it used to be that easy. But now you have heterosexual, heterosexual women identifying as things other than women. And I just can't take that chance. I can't be out on a date and things get to that sexual level. And I go to reach down there and I grab a handful of something I wasn't expecting. That's what I'm trying to avoid. So I was doing a bit kind of like that on stage. And um, I... I talked about this new term I learned this summer called pansexuality, okay? And I used that in my bit when I was talking about dating in 2019. And evidently, there was an LGBTQ fucking open micer in the audience, like I said, that picked up on the fact that I had gotten the definition of um, pansexuality wrong, okay? So... Rather than her just getting up after my 16-minute long set to do her set, she felt like the first thing she had to do as her opener was diss my bit because I got pansexuality wrong. And uh, she got a little bit of a chuckle out of it from a fucking few people, but the rest of the comics in the room know that you don't do that shit, Okay. And I don't know what this is. I don't know why it is with young comedians and even some established comedians where it's like, who's got the bigger cock, right? It's like a pissing contest. And I don't know why we have to be that way. I really don't. Um, we're all comics, new, and that's why we're doing open mics, right? We're all in this thing together. Anytime a comic walks off stage, whether they were hilarious or whether they completely bombed, I normally shake their hand and I say, nice set. I support my fellow local comics. Most people do. It's called being a comics comic. But this lady literally tried to use the one mistake I made in my set, which nobody else picked up on but her, and she tried to make fun of me for it. And... It kind of failed, and from the side of the stage, when she was making fun of the fact that I didn't know what the fuck pansexuality meant, I said, well, you would know, wouldn't you? And that got a chuckle and made her feel stupid. But it's been two weeks, and I know this is kind of against the comic code, but it's actually still bugging me that she did that. It's not the first time I've experienced that. 
um, my buddy Tim, who hosts the open mic, we had a conversation today uh, about this lady and about why she did what she did and the psychology behind it. And um, I don't know. It normally doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. If somebody wants to try to um, start their set off, and the best thing that they think they can start their set off with to be funny is by trying to correct my definition of pansexuality. You suck. <laughs> um, it wasn't funny. You made an ass of yourself. And you just made an enemy out of me. And you don't want to make an enemy out of a comic. Especially not a comic like me that is just full of piss and vinegar. You know? I've had a real rough 2019, losing my mother and a whole bunch of other shit that's happened um, to a lot of great people I know that really shouldn't happen. So I'm fired up. Um, I'm ready to uh, do this shit full time and make a name for myself. And like I said, I've been kind of handicapped this whole summer by um, dealing with a lot of ill shit in my life. But I was still doing it. But, you know, when it came time to grieve and say goodbye to this person, um, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do the podcast. I couldn't do any sets the last couple of weeks. So this is the first podcast back for me tonight. I got a couple sets, first two sets back in a couple of weeks for me. Hopefully it'll go well. And hopefully that um, misandrist bitch that tried to embarrass me two weeks ago doesn't try it again. Because I'm going to let it go. I really am. I'm going to let it go. Um, I've been thinking about her these last two weeks and how inappropriate of a thing that she did. You know, she obviously doesn't know what it's uh, what it's like to be a comedian's comedian, to support other comedians. But oh, actually, I think she does support other comedians, but only comedians that are in her group, so to speak. And that's kind of where I was developing a bit for tonight. And if she happens to be there tonight, and I'm feeling the mood. I have a bit all set to go that's going to pretty much <laughs> destroy her and her group. Not that I want to do that to her. And not that I should be looking for revenge on a fellow local open micer. But again, what she did to try to embarrass me for no reason like that, it's, it's against comic code. Nobody found what she did was funny, and she pissed off me, and she obviously doesn't know me well enough, because when you piss me off as a comic, and you're a comic, I'm going to roast the fuck out of her, and I'm just waiting for the right time. It might be tonight, it might not, but I, I've used the last two weeks where I've kind of been off, so to speak, to to develop some great, great, great stuff that will bury her career if she even looks at me wrong tonight or any other time I come across her. So that's the moral of the story. Whether you're a baseball player, a bowler, I don't know what the fuck you do. But maybe you're a local musician, because I am too. And it's always been that way with music, with some people. It doesn't matter if you've been playing the guitar or been in a band for a month or 10 years. When you show up to a show and there's other musicians on the bill, everybody thinks that they're fucking Jesus Christ on the guitar, right? Everybody's, you know, I know more than you do on the guitar. It's a pissing contest, and I've never gotten that. Uh, I work in the computer field. 
and with other computer technicians like myself, it's always been a pissing contest. Instead of us putting our heads together to solve a problem, another computer geek wants to show me how fucking smart he is. I don't get it. Why are we constantly stepping on each other? Um, so that's just the thing. I'm all about supporting the other local comics just like me and pushing each other and supporting each other in hopes that one of us can make it out of here and bring the rest of us with us, right? That's called just, you know, there's a scene. There's a local community. There's a local comedy scene. There is even if you live in small town USA, Missouri. There's probably a bar down the road that does open comedy mics, whatever. So it doesn't matter whether you're living in New York City or L.A. right now or you're, you know, in Bumpkinville, Tennessee. There's comics everywhere. Comics that have 20 years experience that have no experience, right? We all start somewhere. And we have to support each other, right? It just seems like common sense to me. I just talked about it. I go down. See, some comics, well, I, okay, I can't call us all comics, okay? Even though technically we can call ourselves comics, we're more like open micers, okay? Which is the first level. You're doing open mics. These aren't paid sets. Sometimes you're performing to 200 people. Sometimes you're literally performing to just the other open micers who are there to do their sets that night. So you got to take the good with the bad. But the point is, is that you got some people who will come down, do their set, and leave. They won't stick around for anybody else, but they want your full attention when they're on stage. That's not cool. Then you got people like this girl, who she's lucky, I won't mention her name yet, um, who, rather than supporting the comic that went up before her, she tries to embarrass that comic. And I literally think it's because I had such a good set, and she had to fucking follow it. And not only did she have to follow it, but she had to follow a man. And me being a man in this city does not sit well with this lady. And you can probably get a feel for how this lady is, okay? She's one of these... I don't know what she is, but she's part of the fucking LGB fucking TQ community, okay? Great. That's fucking wonderful. I've never had a problem with anybody in that community. But they want to preach acceptance and tolerance and peace, love, and understanding. Yet these people, like this girl, literally hate me because I happen to have a penis. Isn't that stupid? That's what a misandrist is. If you've ever heard the word misandry or misandrist, the reason I know the definition to a misandrist is because I've talked about it before on the podcast. I live across from two. What is a misandrist? A misandrist is a lady, um, I'm pretty sure a gay lady, that literally hates men just because we're men. That's it. And I learned this uh, this summer because I live across the street from two uh, older ladies that are gay. Fine. That's great. But I learned that they hate me from my other neighbor. And why do they hate me? Well, they hate any guy. Because we have a penis and we're guys. How fucking stupid is that? These people have bumper stickers all over their car about peace, love, and fucking harmony, this, that, and the other thing, except us, blah, blah, blah. But you're going to hate me when you don't know me. All because you perceive that there's a dick underneath my jeans. 
Doesn't that sound a little bit like sexism or racism, that you're going to hate somebody because they're a different skin tone than you are? You're just going to hate me because I have a dick? I could be the coolest motherfucker you've ever met, but you're going to hate me, hate me, without even knowing me because I have a penis and I'm a man. Does that make any fucking sense to you? And that's where this other comic comes from, is that, is that school of thought. That you, ha that you are a guy, and, you're, and you have a dick, and you aren't part of the LGBTQ uh, whatever fucking community, so I'm going to hate you, because you're not on my team. What the fuck is that? These people are always so fucking proud, right? Preaching acceptance, and we just want to be fucking accepted and loved. Well, that's great. This city in which I live in was in uh, Time Magazine or US Today or whatever the fuck it was years ago as being one of the most uh, LGBTQ friendly cities in America. I was born and raised here. I was tolerant in acceptance of the LGBT community before it even was called the LGBT fucking Q community. I'm 41 years old. I was raised tolerant of that shit. Okay? So... Don't diss me and think you fucking know me and hate me because I have a dick. When has that ever defined somebody? Women don't want to be discriminated against just because they're a woman. People of color don't want to be discriminated because of their skin color being fucking darker. Do you think I want to be hated because I have a dick? I can't help it. I can't help that I have a dick. What do you want me to do? Chop it off? Should I identify as a fucking woman so I can be part of your team? Is that what I should do? I'm telling you. I don't get it. The LGBT fucking Q community, right? Or whatever. Uh, gay pride. We have a gay pride month. I forget what month it is, but it's 30 days. 30 fucking days of gay prideness. Why are you so proud to be gay? I'm happy you're gay, but nobody gives a shit, sir or ma'am, that you're gay anymore. We're way fucking past that. So why do you need to have 30 days of parades? And you know why this makes me angry? It makes me angry because of what we did as a country and a society to people of color with racism and slavery. Yet we give Black History Month 28 days. 28 days every year to focus on black history. That's it, 28 days. Yet we now give gay people 30 days each year to celebrate them being gay. Great! You're gay. We get it. I'm straight. I don't need to go out and fucking celebrate it. I don't. Who gives a shit? Nobody cares that you're gay. As much as you want to bitch, whine, and complain that things don't go your way because you're fucking gay, you're bullshit. Nobody cares anymore, bro. You don't need to be proud. Nobody cares that you're gay. They're happy for you. You don't have to be all uh, militant anymore, okay? And maybe that's why these people have become so fucking militant is because everybody has become pretty accepting of it. And now they're not getting any pushback and any attention, any drama. So now they have to drum more up. Okay, now that we're accepted by everybody and nobody seems to care that we're gay, now we're going to start hating men. And then men are going to start to really hate us and want to become a part of our group. I think that's what it is.
you know, we have progressed so much in this country. We still have a long way to go. But in terms of just generally accepting the LGBTQ community, especially around here, you are widely and openly accepted and loved in every fucking way. So you have no reason, no reason to hate men. Just to hate all men because we're men. There's some women who have absolutely destroyed my life in the past. But, th but does that mean I hate women? No. Because a vagina or boobs or long hair or whatever distinguishes a woman from a man does not make who you are as a person. I just thought that was common sense 101. So why so many members of the LGBTQ community are now turning into men-hating misandrists, I don't get it. And I'm pretty sure that this comic that followed me a few weeks ago is a misandrist. She generally hates men just because we're men. And she couldn't stand the fact that I went up there and talked about how much more difficult it is to date as a heterosexual male in this area especially. And the fact that I got her little definition of not wanting to identify the fucking sex wrong. That just, she just couldn't take that. Oh, it's just another, it's just another toxic, toxic man. Blech. Jesus Christ, I'm telling you. I don't care. Some of the greatest people I've ever met will fall into the LGBTQ community, right? And some of the biggest scumbags I've ever met fall into the LGBTQ community, okay? There is good and bad people in literally every shape, color, form, and group in this country, okay? There are some fantastic fucking people that belong to the LGBTQ community. And there's some real bad, bad eggs. And this open micer that's around here is a bad egg. I talked about her today with uh, an established guy who can call himself a comic because he's opened up for some pretty big comics around this area, okay? I was talking to him about this comic today. And we're, 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 we're both under the same assumption that this girl does not know what she's doing. She's extremely young. She is very militant. She's not funny. She's not a good writer. She's one of these people that think that she's going to do open mics for a couple months and then all of a sudden Netflix is going to fucking call. And who knows? That happens about once to, to one, every, one out of every two billion comics. Literally the only person I know that's ever happened to is a comic named Jabuki Young White. And I believe I brought him up on the podcast before. I think he literally had one show where he opened up for Pete Holmes. And this is a true story. And then his next show was a paid gig at the Comedy Cellar in New York City, which some comics would break their back for 20 years to get into. And this dude did his second show, I think, at age 19 there. That does not happen, people. That does not happen. I am well aware that by the time I move um, either into New York City or L.A. in the spring slash summer of this upcoming 2020, um, I'm going to be just turning 42, and I could have another 20 years, if I make it that long, um, before I even get my first fucking special. And that's going to be me getting up at least two times a night, seven nights a week, 365 days a year. And it takes years 
for you to get good, build a following, build an audience. Now, if you're just a natural born talent, maybe it will take 10 years. I don't know. I mean, I talked about Jessica Kirsten recently. Jessica Kirsten has become a good friend of mine. She just had her first uh, hour-long special come out on Comedy Central, December 9th. 20 years she's been doing it. 20 years. And Bill Burr had to sign her to All Things Comedy, his comedy uh, troupe, so to speak. Um, And he produced her special. Um, Bill Burr is widely known among comics as being a comics comic. Uh, January 10th, Bill Burr has another uh, Comedy Central special coming out uh, called The Ringers. Uh, that looks interesting as hell. I guess uh, it's it's basically Bill Burr's showcase. It's it's I guess it's the best of the best up-and-coming comics picked by comics like Bill. And I guess they each get a little bit of a showcase. Uh, something like that. So... Bill Burr's on top of his game. He's killing it. He's my idol. Um, said that before. He is the comic that made me say, I want to do that for a living. And that was 16 years ago. Um, so, same thing. I'm a musician. When I write music, original music, you can definitely hear, um, even though I, it's, it is original, you can hear in my music who influenced me. It's no different for a comic. The comic that influenced me the most and said, that's what I got to do for a living, for me it was Bill Burr. I think for Bill Burr, it was um, George Carlin and a comic named Bill Hicks, where Bill saw those two and said, that's what I want to do for a living. Me, I saw Bill in the early 2000s, and uh, I said, boom, that's what I want to do. It was kind of like when I first heard some of the bands that influenced me in the late 80s, early 90s to actually pick up a guitar. It took a handful of bands, and when I heard those bands, I said, I have to be a musician. I have to play guitar. That speaks to me. When I saw Bill Burr on stage, that spoke to me. I said, that is fucking awesome. I want to be him. I want to do that for a living. So obviously... We all have our influences, whether it's music, right, with me, or it's comedy. Somebody or something gets that wheel turning in our head. We are all influenced by somebody. For me, it's Bill Burr and Bill Hicks and George Carlin and Dave Chappelle and Cat Williams um, and Eddie Murphy. Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Steve Harvey. Everybody loves Steve Harvey. I watch Steve Harvey multiple times a day. I love The Fucking Price is Right. Uh, has anybody ever seen Steve Harvey's stand-up before he became a, a talk show host? The guy's fucking hilarious. And he's such a good dude. Why doesn't he run for president? But yeah, if you've never heard Steve Harvey's stand-up Go search on YouTube. Type in uh, Steve Harvey, um, white people getting fired. He does a great comparison to what it's like for a white person to get fired from a job uh, to a black person getting fired. And uh, it's actually pretty fucking hilarious. So if you've never heard um, his comedy, 
but you like him like I do, look him up. Steve Harvey. Fucking fantastic dude. Fantastic uh, comedian. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all I have. I filled you in on uh, what I've been dealing with. I told you about my set a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, that uh, misandrous bitch that followed me. I told you I have two sets going on tonight. Uh, this is our first podcast in a couple of weeks because of the loss I've been dealing with. But uh, hopefully um, we can remember the good times and, uh, you know, put that behind us now and get back to doing this podcast at least twice a week, getting up hopefully every night of the week. Um, in addition to trying to get up every night of the week for comedy around here, I also just recently tried out a new female vocalist for a new acoustic project I'm working on, um, and she did fantastically. So um, I'm going to be practicing with her and my friend Josh this coming Saturday. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of months, you will see me not only in the area doing stand-up comedy, but you will also see me in the area uh, doing acoustic sets with a fantastic, talented, young, 22-year-old uh, female vocalist. We're going to be doing a combination of covers and originals, all acoustic-based. And they're not necessarily going to be all acoustic covers. We're planning on doing some Eminem songs acoustically with female vocals. Who does that, right? So it's going to be pretty unique. So I'm going to be out and about in this area quite a bit until I move into the big city this summer. Um, and like I said, it's going to be a lot of stand-up, and it's going to be a lot of music. And hopefully now that uh, uh, my mother is at peace, um, and I you know, don't have to worry uh, about her anymore like I have for the last nine months, um, I can finally kind of, you know, put that aside, make sure my father is well taken care of, because now he's alone, and that's, uh, that bothers me, but, um, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? As impossibly difficult, and as hard as this is, and honest to God, when I think about my mother right now, it takes all of my strength not to just break down right now on this microphone. Um, I'm sure some of you listening can only imagine, and... I'm telling you, um, I wouldn't wish the emotions I've been feeling on my worst enemy. They are the most intense, strongest emotional pain I've ever felt in my life. And I've felt some real bad emotional pain in my life. But nothing can hold a candle to this. So I hope if any of you have to deal with the loss of a loved one like I just did, um, what really helped me... I think get through it was having a couple of real amazing friends that were there for me. That's fucking huge. Um, and it just underscores a statement and a saying that I heard this summer when I helped another friend of mine with the loss of his mother. And that tough times reveal true friends. You get that? Tough times reveal true friends. And it is so fucking true. When my world was turned upside down two or three weeks ago, and for the last two weeks when it got really bad and got to be the end, I had some people in my life step up huge. Huge. That really showed me how much they fucking care 
about their boy Johnny. And um, I have to give a shout out to some of those people right now. Leslie, Josh, Mark, you three. I don't need to mention your last names. You all know who you are. But you three were fucking phenomenal. And it didn't take a lot of effort, did it, Josh? I know Josh is listening to this right now. And uh, I've told you this, buddy, before um, on the phone. But I'll tell you right here over my podcast in front of all the millions of listeners. That despite the fact that I'm a heterosexual male, I'm comfortable enough with myself to tell a buddy of mine, Josh, who I'm sure knows that I do not, you know, have any interest in him sexually, that I love him. It is okay as a man to tell another man you love them. I do it all the fucking time. I don't give a shit. If you want to think I'm gay because I tell another man I love them and I appreciate them, then go for it. I don't care. I really don't. I think a lot of times that if I were gay, my life might be a lot fucking easier, right? But I'm not. I think it'd be a lot easier if I were. But I'm not. But it would be okay if you are. I'm just saying that uh, sometimes I get made fun of for telling another guy I love them. But sorry. I've always been the kind of guy to wear my heart on my sleeve. I really have. And when somebody does real, when somebody does something real special for me, or even not even, you know, people are such assholes nowadays that it doesn't take much to impress me. Um, but when somebody's real with me and somebody does something really cool, um, I let them know how much I appreciate it. And on the same token, um, there's a couple friends or people I consider to be friends that in the last couple of weeks I kicked out of my life because they weren't very good friends to begin with. And when I just went through the two worst weeks of my entire life, bar none, the people that really gave a shit about me stuck out like a sore thumb. And the people that didn't stuck out like a sore thumb. And those two people have been kicked the fuck out of my life. One of them, I don't think, gives a shit. One of them flipped the fuck out. And started calling everybody that he knew that I knew. And they hollered to tell him, dude, you fucked up. No matter how many excuses you want to make for why you weren't there for me these last two weeks, you know you fucked up. I held your fucking hand, bro, when you lost your mom. And in the three weeks leading up to me losing my mom, you were fucking absentee, bro. And I'm sorry. That was supposed to be one of my best friends, and when I needed him the most, he fucking ghosted me for three weeks. So bye bye I don't need you in my life. I don't. Tough times reveal true friends. And in these tough times, I've really seen who in my life gives a fuck about me for me and who doesn't. Because like I just said, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Losing my mother obviously didn't kill me, but it hurt. It hurt real bad, and it still does. But it has opened my eyes to a lot, a lot of different things, including what's important, what's not, who's important, what's not. You got to take this shit as a learning experience, right? 
because I keep saying this on the podcast and I keep living my life by this by this one simple rule, okay? Anytime life throws a curveball at you, I think you have two choices. Anytime life throws you a bad day, you have two choices. It's like a fork in the road. When life throws a curveball at you or a bad day, you can either take a left or a right. Right? There's two ways to handle any time life throws you a bad day, whether it's the loss of a, a loved one or you're just having a real shit day, okay? You can choose to give in to the pain and curl up into a ball and feel sorry for yourself and cry and fucking obsess about it. Or you can grab that problem, no matter how big it is, by the horns, smile at it, endure it, learn from it, and persevere. And no matter what life throws at me, even the most illest two weeks of my fucking life I just had to live through. And, I, and I'm still hurting bad. But I'm trying to do this to get my mind off it. Okay? And it's working. Doing this podcast right now is honestly helping me. Okay? But um, I just lost my fucking train of thought. Isn't that great? You're probably like, dude, you were just talking about that and you fucking forget. I don't know. But my point is, is that, uh, you know, I just, I literally just went through hell the last two weeks. Never in my wildest fucking dreams did I, did I know that it was going to be this hard. I literally used to have nightmares as a child about the day that I would have to bury a parent. And I just had to actually live it for real. And I'm telling you, not to scare you, but just, it was and is still the most fucked up thing I have ever, ever, ever lived through. And that's saying something. Because I have lived through some shit. And I have had my heart literally ripped out of my chest and forced through a fucking paper shredder. Countless numbers of times. And as painful as that was... You take all of those heartbreaks and heartaches and helplessness and all that shit, mix it into one, you're not even in the same ballpark. It's not even in the same fucking sport. So all I'm saying is if you have anybody in your life that you know if you're going to lose them, you don't know how you're going to survive, surround yourself with good people and good friends because they're the ones that are going to help you get through it. And if you don't know how to help somebody through something like that, there's literally nothing you can do. My friend Josh, he was the best at it. He didn't try to give me advice on how to deal with it. He just checked up on me every day, let me talk if I wanted to, let me vent if I wanted to. If I didn't, that was fine. He made himself available for me every day through a text or a call to see how I was doing, and then allowed me to vent if I needed to, and if I didn't, he didn't question it. That's how you fucking act, people. And that's what you do to help somebody through the loss of a loved one. You just tell them that they're there, that you're there for them. And if they want to talk, or if they want to yell, or whatever, let them. You don't need to solve their problem. You don't need to tell them what to do. You don't need to tell them how to feel. Just be there for them. A shoulder to cry on, a voice, uh, or ears to listen to their story or whatever they want to say. That's what Josh provided to me. 
That's what Leslie provided for me. That's what Mark provided for me. That's what Brett and Sarah provided for me. That's what family provided for me. And it's huge. And that's how you act. And for those of you whose names that I just mentioned, um, even if I'm forgetting your name, uh, honest to God, uh, going through this whole thing has been very eye-opening for me in a lot of good ways. And I'm trying to take every positive I can out of it and share it with you. And that's one of the points of this podcast that I want to reiterate to people again. Okay? Everything that I try to do on this podcast isn't really meant to make you laugh or to make fun or to hurt anybody. Everything I talk about on this podcast, whether you find it funny or not, is me trying to tell you about life. I've lived it. When people tried to tell me and give me advice when I was in my teens, 20s, 30s, I didn't want to fucking hear it because I thought I knew it all. I did. And now that I'm 41 years old, I realized I was more fucking full of shit than anybody I fucking knew. So every piece of advice that I'm trying to give you people and everything I talk about from my life where I've fucked up, that's what I'm trying to get at here. Whether it's a joke or whether it's through a bit or a story, I'm trying to give you all advice on how to better live your life not make the same mistakes I've made, to be more accepting of people, more understanding. Uh, if I do a joke on, you know, anything. It's not meant to offend. It's not meant to be hurtful or to spread hate or to be whatever, okay? Everything I do on this podcast is meant to maybe relax you or inspire you. Or to get you to think maybe a little bit differently. To maybe make you stop being an asshole for a day. Or to maybe want to change your life to be a better person for your family, for your community. Be a better father. Be a better friend to somebody. Something. If I can reach one person a day through this podcast and make your life a little bit better, a little bit easier. Make you smile. Make you laugh. Then I feel like I did my job. That's all I'm trying to do, man. I'm trying to talk about my life, my views, my experiences in a comical but educational light to influence you, to inspire you, and to make you laugh, and to hopefully see something in a different light, in a different way that might motivate or inspire you to live your life a little bit better, to maybe be more tolerant of people, or maybe be a little bit less of an asshole. I don't know. Whatever works for you. But I certainly hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was great to get back. Um, it was great to talk to you again. And I hope to do another podcast for you guys real soon. Uh, hopefully, uh, probably, what, today's Wednesday? Uh, probably Monday. Maybe Monday, Tuesday. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you tuning back in. Appreciate you uh, sticking around and uh, supporting your boy Johnny. And uh, again, this has been another version of the Views from the John podcast. I'm your boy, Johnny Ares. And remember to smile and remember to love each other. Life is too short. Too short to worry. Too short to be sad. Life is beautiful. Life is a gift. Embrace it.
even when it sucks, embrace it. Because every opportunity is a learning moment, okay? I love you. I appreciate you guys for supporting me. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm your boy, Johnny Ares, and we'll talk to you later. Aww.